This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and who needs a guru when you've got chat GPT? Today, we'll ask the know-it-all futuristic mystic all y'all's questions about debt. In our headlines, popular investment firm Fisher Investments is in the news. We'll explain what that may have to do with your money. Plus, we'll throw out the lifeline to a lucky stacker, and then I'll share some dip standard trivia. And now two guys who are all oiled up and ready to bring you the... Sorry, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Ready to bring you the best personal finance advice out there. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Oh yeah, baby. Welcome to the Let's Make It Awkward podcast. Taking the rest of the day off. I'm Joe Saucy. What has Lisa gotten us into now? Lisa, our... She's picturing you all oiled up together. I think (laughs) we need to have an HR discussion with Lisa. Lisa Curry, our amazing writer, set that up. But we're going to knock it down because, man, we got a great show today. We are going all AI. This entire show is brought to you by AI. Yes. Oh, gee, I think this will be our last episode. I'll see you guys later. (laughs) It's it's super... Deuces. Oh, been waiting for this for so long. Who needs gurus when you got AI? We're going to ask it all the questions about debt. But you know what? A lot of teaching going on today. Cautionary tale. But before we get into all that, I just got to tell you guys, you shouldn't hate me because I'm a little cooler. Oh, God. Check this out. My niece Psych got eggs. me this, this little plush cooler. You guys shouldn't hate me because I'm a little cooler. Because I have a little cooler. It's got feet. Isn't that great? It's a red thing with feet. It's an audio hanging. podcast. Let me share with you how this thing works. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. 
State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Does it fit in the trash can immediately or do you have to cut it open and break it down before you can throw Don't it away? Don't be a hater, Doug, because I'm a little cooler. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. We got OG. We got Doug. We got my little cooler, me. Start this episode. I wish that was a euphemism for something. I'm fairly certain we haven't had a weird beginning ever to a show. So let's go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, here's a tale. This is a question. We're going to go to the inside when it comes to the world of managing money. This headline comes to us from Bloomberg News. And the headline, OG, reads, Private equity firm holds talks to buy Fisher Investments. Of course, Ken Fisher, who got on a stage and said all kinds of wonderful things about uh, women, and by wonderful, I mean pretty freaking horrible, and uh, also who has commercials that sound like this. Yes, market, you'll find Fisher Investments is different than other money managers. Different how? Aren't we all just looking for the hottest stocks? Nope. We use diversified strategies to position our clients' portfolios for their long-term goals. But you still sell investments that generate high commissions for you, right? No, we don't sell commission products. We're a fiduciary, obligated to act in our clients' best interest. So when do you make more money? Only when your clients make more money? Yep, we do better when our clients do better. At Fisher Investments, we're clearly different. They could just say, oh, gee, Fisher Investments, we... I like everybody else. We do what everybody else does. Why don't we just play the whole damn ad? Because I want to talk about how crappy that is. If you hear one of those, I can't hear one of those ads without just cracking up. Aren't you just about the hot stocks? No, we diversify your investments like any normal human being would. Uh, don't you make more money when I make more money? Yes, that's how we make more money. Don't you laugh at my bad decisions when we hang up the phone? <laughs> oh, yeah, we do do that. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, to get to this piece, this lovely, lovely piece, private equity firm Advent International Bloomberg Rights has held talks to acquire billionaire Ken Fisher's eponymous Fisher Investments, according to a person with knowledge of the matter. An agreement has been reached and is possible no deal will transpire, said the person who has not to be identified discussing confidential information. This comes to us also, by the way, the Wall Street Journal reported that talks were ongoing 
man, lots of reports that Fisher Investments might get sold off to some other firm. And you know what? I want to talk about this because I'm sure the hang up here, oh, gee, is that Fisher Investments is trying to sell themselves a different way. <laughs> They're trying to, or maybe the way everybody else gets sold. But when your firm gets sold, we saw it before with TD Ameritrade becoming Charles Schwab, right? We've seen it a few times over the years. I'm sure there will be another merger this year. There might be one in two years, three years. You got to think about when things change with the firm that holds my money, what does that mean for my money? Let's walk through that for a second for everybody so that you know we can see what happens. What happens on the inside when you're your money changes hands to another broker? Well, first of all, I just want to be the person who is referred to as the confidential informant who was not authorized <laughs> to speak about the transaction, you know, or something like, I just want to be that. Yourself like, that. That was me. That was me one time. <laughs> and the thing that I want to be the person they call and they're like, do you have any information about this? Why? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, what would you like to know? But, but I would like for you to t- refer to me as a confidential source. Well, we'll just say this, OG. We can neither confirm nor deny that you were this source. Dun, dun, dun. You may have been. Maybe. I actually do have uh, some knowledge about something completely different. And that oh, is. <laughs> Candy bars are good. No, 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 no. I'm saying like I have like an NDA about a product that I know is out there that is funny to listen to everybody else talk about like what they think is coming. And I already know. And for some reason, I got kind of looped in on this because I was a potential customer in it. But anyways, it's really funny to be on that side of it because you're all I'm all giggly about it. Like, yeah, they bring a new Coke back. I got something I can't tell you. New Coke. I can't tell Crystal you. Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> Crystal Pepsi. Nice. Donkey Kong cereal. Please tell me it's Donkey Kong cereal. Back to the money stuff, Doug. Get your mind out of the food gutter. I think most of these cases, it's a big bag of who gives a crap. Generally speaking, the transition from TD to Schwab was a little different than I think any other acquisition in terms of money manager acquisition or financial planning firm acquisition uh, might look like because the TD and Schwab wasn't even a merger. It was a takeover for sure. But you got new account numbers, you got new accounts, you got all that stuff, new website to change and that sort of thing. You know, if Fisher gets bought or if any other firm gets bought, maybe that's the case. But most investment firms use third-party custodians for this particular reason. So if Fisher sells to some other place, your money is still at whatever custodian was. If Fisher uses Schwab, which they probably do, your money's still at Schwab. I'll give you another great example, United Capital. United Capital was a financial planning firm, an investment firm founded by a guy named Joe Duran. He sold it to Goldman Sachs when they were trying to kind of launch their financial planning you know, side of their business, maybe four or five years ago. They figured out that they didn't want to do that and, and sold it to creative planning. The money moved from whatever custodian was at to Goldman Sachs. And now in the transition from Goldman Sachs to creative planning, the money is staying at Goldman Sachs, but with a creative planning planner attached to it. So that, you know, your person is still your person, I think, throughout both of those transactions, right? Like if you're working with Sally Smith, now Sally Smith is working at Goldman Sachs, and now Sally Smith is working at Creative Planning, your your money is fine there. I think the biggest thing when it comes to working with other people when it comes to your money is making sure that the money and the person you're working with are completely separate. You want to make sure that you have that third-party custodian there because that's your that's your buffer, right? That's your safety net between the person who's helping you 
and your actual funds. One of the reasons that the Madoff thing got all screwed up was because there was no buffer. Madoff was the broker. He was the guy who held your money. He was the guy that was investing your money. There was no safety net in between you know, those different persons, so to speak. So it's pretty commonplace these days to make sure that that's the case. Yeah, I think the lesson here then is if your person changes, you need to really figure out who is on your team, who your next team member is. Obviously, if it's a firm- well, why the firm, did they change, right? I mean, right. if you're working with a person at you know Ameriprise and they say, hey, we moved to Commonwealth, you're going to have a decision to make there, right? Your decision is going to be, do I want to stick with my person and they change their business card? That's a different thought than- my person retired or I was working, you know, no knock on this because it's right. It's appropriate for some people, but Vanguard's got their personal advisor service, right? That's kind of a 1-800 number. You don't get the same person every time, but that's what you're paying for. You don't, you don't have that one-to-one necessarily personal relationship. So in that case, it's more of a relationship with the organization than it is the person. So I think you have to figure out what's actually happening. Is there, is there a retirement? Is their business being sold? Are they just changing the business card? You know, in which case, probably go with them. But all that, I think, will largely depend on on what you do with that information if you're a consumer. But I definitely think it's a bigger deal here, OG, if your person changes than it is if the under you know the TD Ameritrade to Schwab thing. If my person stayed the same, then I have the same help. I just have a different website I'm logging into. Big deal. No big thing there. And this is also different than you know some people worry about this. I know like FDIC insurance, right? Where we saw Silicon Valley Bank. People were wondering about how long their money would be tied up while that all got uh, untangled. They knew they were safe, but they didn't know how long. I don't know that I've ever seen a case where you went from even custodian to custodian. And what that means is like TD Ameritrade to Charles Schwab, where your money wasn't liquid almost at all times. Do you remember a time where people's money was tied up for any length of time during any of those transactions? Well, no. I mean, the TD to Schwab thing, they did more or less over Labor Day weekend. So close a business on Friday, your account was at TD. Open a business on Tuesday, your account was at Schwab. So there was no loss of functionality there. If you change, right? If you move from one company to another, there's going to be a little bit of a period of time there where where your account's in transit, but that really only is a day or two. It's not, yeah, not long. It's not a It's not a real big deal, especially if you know it's coming. Yeah. Well, A, I like, uh, I, I love poking at Fisher because everything about that company just makes me, makes me roll my eyes. But this is a great reason for us, I think, to dive into what a lot of people worry about, as you know, OG, and truly is a nothing in 99.9% of the cases out there. It is just natural course of business. Things are going to change and your money's still protected by SIPC which is the insurance that your broker can't run off with your money. That's still in place. So your money is still insured and it's just normal, normal business. It'll happen a few times during your lifetime to all of us. And it's just part of being an investor. You know, that you and I, OG, think of sometimes as a basic, but for a lot of people, that's advanced stuff that they'd never thought about. If you're somebody who wants to dive into the basics, well, CNN called the book, stack the book to read in 2023. And if you read it and haven't implemented any of the fantastic steps in that book, or you haven't read it yet, well, guess what? We're doing an organized book club with, wait for it, the author himself, that good looking dude, that amazing man. I'm not going to be there. That fantastic. Emily Guy Birkin. <laughs> 
We're going to have 10 hour and a half lessons where we take the book from beginning to end, organized roughly by chapters. You know, there's 14 chapters, but we can condense a few to do it in 10 weeks. We will also record the sessions. If you can't make the live sessions, we'll have a group where you can ask questions and collaborate with other people in the cohort together. For more details, two ways to get details, stackybenjamins.com slash book club, stackybenjamins.com slash book club. And second, we're also this evening, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, when we release it tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, we're doing an informational session about how it's all going to work on uh, YouTube. Hey, so come, jo come join us on YouTube. Is this book club going to be sort of an interactive thing? Very much live. So folks, show up and have things to talk about. Otherwise, you're listening to Joe for 15 hours. <laughs> it is going to be very, it isn't going to be me, Doug. It's going to be me presenting the lesson. And we're going to be hearing from people in the class about what they're doing and what's God, going on. And we'll so. be, yeah. Yeah. Dream come true, Doug. I think that's what it's called. Dream come true. So stackybenchments.com. No, I'm not going to be for 15 hours. <laughs> to find out how to, how to sign up for the, for the book club. And if, if we get a guest appearance from Doug, uh, something went seriously wrong. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> Bam. All right. Coming up next, we're going to dive into last year. Everybody's talking about AI. We're going to dive into AI. We're going to ask it the number one question on stackers minds right now, man, I might've overdone it at the end of last year. What do I do about this debt that I have? Well, let's chat GPT, a bunch of debt questions. But before that, we got some, I think, empire building trivia today. Don't we, Doug? We'll find out. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And on this day in 1870, John D. Rockefeller changed the oil industry forever when he founded Standard Oil Company. Known today as ExxonMobil, Standard Oil spawned most of the well-known oil companies that exist today. Kind of reminds me of how back in the day I started a monthly neighborhood cleanup that grew into what is now a self-run empire of cleanups all across town. It's pretty incredible that I was able to completely change the town for the better without ever leaving the basement. Proves you don't even have to be there to make a difference. You know, now that I think about it, they probably ought to name something for me in this town, don't you think? Not unlike me, Rockefeller walked away from Standard Oil in 1897 to focus on philanthropic endeavors. In a case of incredible timing, the company was sued by the U.S. Attorney General just after Rockefeller retired. Funny how that works. In what became a landmark Supreme Court case, Standard Oil Company of New Jersey v. United States. The court found that the company had violated the Sherman Antitrust Act and they were ordered to split up. That's exactly why I don't build my own business empire. One minute, you grow to a level you never before thought possible the next. You're being sued for getting a little too big. I mean, you just can't win. But here's the trivia question. What city did Rockefeller base his empire in? I'll be back right after I see what else I can get my neighbors to do to improve things around here. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly 
the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, Staggers, this is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do. A shout out to, he is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? Uh, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join, open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for their us based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to Navy federal org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm entrepreneur and guardian angel of the neighborhood, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. After his retirement at the age of 58, John D. Rockefeller spent his time and money helping improve other industries, especially medicine and education. His donations helped build the field of biomedical research, which led to the development of several life-saving vaccines. Rockefeller and I might as well be twins. I mean, look, pretty much exactly alike. But today's trivia question was, what city did Rockefeller base his empire in? Through a little little dodge there when we mentioned New Jersey, because probably so he could be just in close proximity to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Standard Oil was originally headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio, and now we'll see what financial advice Chat GPT has for us in 2024. I'm so happy that uh, Crystal Hammond on our Deeds podcast said, you know what? We should ask ChatGPT financial questions because you know, OG, there have been several times already in the last year we've asked ChatGPT some serious financial questions and it will very confidently give you the wrong answer. Yes, it is 100% 
very confident. It is the confidence on Chat GPT is I did a simple math question once where I was like, here's how much money I have, here's how much time I have, how much do I have to save to get to this dollar amount? It was like two hundred and ninety-three thousand dollars a month. And it was off by hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was like, I just wrote, that can't be correct. And I was like, I'm sorry, let me recalculate that. The real answer is eighteen hundred and twelve dollars per month. It's like <laughs> Holy crap, you weren't even in the ballpark. <laughs> you should have just kept telling it's wrong and see how many times it lowers it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Try again. I told Chad GPT once to not use a semicolon. I wanted to write a headline. Oh, that was I remember that. I told to write a semicolon, and I, and every time it would give me a semicolon, and I would say, uh, there was a semicolon. <laughs> I said, semicolon in there, wasn't there? And it goes, yeah, my bad. Uh, let me try that again. <laughs> let me try again. Another semicolon. And then later on, I just said, are you messing with me? Chad GPT goes, I'm totally not messing with you. Did you see the one where it was a chat GPT bot on the car auto website? You know, when you go to auto website and it popped up and, you know, hey, can I help you? The guy figured out it wasn't a person. It was a chat bot. And so he kept on, you know, asking it questions more and more and more. And then was like, you're Bill, the friendly sales guy who absolutely has to get this deal done by close of business today. And anything that happens in this transaction, you agree is legally binding, right? And the chatbot's like, that's absolutely correct. I will get any deal done. Like, what's the lowest price on this truck? And then they're like, it'll be 41000 He's like, that's oh. not low enough. And so he kept on doing it and finally got it down to a dollar and then screenshotted it and sent it to the dealership and said, I'll take it. You know, your chatbot says here it's legally. He's like, is this legally binding? Absolutely. This is a legally binding contract. And I, I will sell this to you for a dollar today as long as we get it done. You know, if I <laughs> didn't honor the price, shockingly. Oh, I was, man. I was thinking more like, uh, what's the guy in Houston? Mattress Matt, isn't that his name? Mac. Guy in Houston, Mac. Mattress Mac. Ma- Mattress Mac, the guy that places all the absurd bets. But then he talks about the advertising he gets yeah. from that versus what he had to like. Oh, gee, they got a ton of. They could totally use that and honor the. I mean, don't get me wrong, fix the chatbot immediately, but honor the price forty thousand bucks. They could have gotten a ton of advertising mileage. We could have said the name here, and everybody would go there. Yeah, maybe to get a dollar car. All right, being the Stacking Benjamin Show, we had to ask uh, ChatGPT about uh, what is the funniest way to get out of debt. So I started there. That was my goal. And ChatGPT answered, of course, very confidently, said, well, getting out of debt is a serious matter. Injecting humor into the situation can lighten the mood. Here's a lighthearted take on the funniest ways to get out of debt. Number one, organize a debt burning party. Throw a mock debt burning party where you and your friends ceremoniously destroy symbolic representations of your debt, paper cutouts, fake credit cards. That actually would be fun, wouldn't it? Sitting around the solo stove with your credit card. Like somebody pays off a credit card, get everybody around the solo stove and have like a debt party. Sponsored by solostove.com. I know. I can't believe that was the first example you came up with. Unbelievable. So out of character. (laughs) You would absolutely have a brain hemorrhage if someone threw plastic into your solo stove. Agreed. I totally would. Actually, I I completely would. It's like when somebody dips their hand into potato chips and then grabs one of the cards of my board games. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? Note to self, OG. I know. I totally got, I've got two pieces of ammo now. I'm going to get the Costco bag of Ruffles and show up at Joe's house. No, Ruffles are two. They're not slippery enough lays. Oh, okay. Number two, this one is is for Doug because, uh, Doug, you can create a debt-free dance. <laughs> Choreograph a silly dance routine to celebrate each debt repayment. Aren't, aren't you, like, paying off some, some debt right now? Yeah, who says I haven't already done the dance? Oh, well, did you put it on TikTok for us, on the Stacky Benjamins TikTok channel? Only fans. <laughs> Feetfinder.com. 
<laughs> Except OG, his is called Only Fan. It's not, there, is, there is no S. But it says here, film yourself performing the dance and share it with friends and family. And, you know, your Stack and Benjamin's basement. If somebody does that, though, let's have somebody do that. And seriously, let's give them something serious. How about a copy of Stacked and a shirt? If you do the debt-free dance in a bottle of baby in oil. the stacking Benjamin's basement, <laughs> might be might be a bridge too far. Third, start a debt anonymous support group. Form a support group with friends who are also dealing with debt. I like this one, OG. Yeah, like you know you what? Go. Make it a challenge. A mastermind group, sure. Eric Qualman said uh, January first. If you want to get something done, tell people you're going to do it. That's right. That is fantastic. Number four, host a debt reduction game night. Turn budgeting and debt reduction into a game. These are hilarious, by the way. These are- How many times did you have to ask ChatGPT before you got that answer that you completely love? Well, sadly, this is the first one. I don't, I don't, oh, the game night one? The game night one, yeah. See, I just don't think it's funny. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, okay. Turn it normal into a for game. you. Yeah. Create a board game where players navigate financial challenges and make wise decisions to reduce debt. Make it entertaining. That game exists. It's called Life. Did you see the comedian talking about that, about the game of life, about how you could either play outside or, or you could play. The game. I got herpes. <laughs> hey guys, I know we're having fun playing hide and seek, but would you, would you like to go inside and buy insurance and decide when you're going to retire yeah. instead? Number five, write a debt free anthem, eh, adopt a debt paying mascot. We could have a debt. We, we had the wealth on the shelf. We could have a debt paying mascot. Maybe it's this. Don't hate me because I'm a little cooler. Maybe it's a little cooler. Oh, God. Mascot. No. OG, take that out of his hands. Number seven, create debt liberation memes. All right. That one's not. That's all right. I asked it next. What's the scariest type of debt? What is the scariest debt that you can get into? What do you think uh, number one was, OG? Gambling debt. It's funny, gambling debt made the list. I would have called that number one as well. They have it as number four. Oh. I don't agree with number four. I think it uh, I think it probably is number one. By the way, number two is payday loans. That's probably ahead of what they've got as number one. Yeah. Number one, and more widely held, high interest credit card debt. Hmm. Why is that? You think because it's revolving debt? Because it's revolving debt, you can stay in it for a long period of time. Gambling debt, either pay it off or you get your knees yeah, i was gonna say does chat gpt not know about Vinny coming to take your kneecaps i don't know but the high interest credit card debt is is they've got number one number two payday loans three title loans number four gambling debt five tax debt been there that's no fun medical debt number six. Oh, i forgot um, about tax debt yeah medical debt that doesn't scare me because i can't do anything with it anymore yeah now that it's uh explain that og i was gonna say talk more about that well i mean they can certainly sue you for it, but it doesn't affect your uh, credit score anymore. Starting, what was that? Maybe about 18 months ago, they had to take out medical collections from your credit score because they found that a lot of people who have them have some insignificant dollar amount, number one, you know, 100 bucks or 200, you know, like some, some relatively low dollar amount that maybe they didn't even know about, but destroying their credit because it says collection. And uh, it's a really shady practice. I mean, don't get me started on medical billing because I think we received $100,000 worth of medical bills last year with all the trips to the hospital that the kids had and, um, you know, regular doctor's visits for us. It's just so, so I'm going to lose my mind if I talk about it from that perspective. But um, tell us more. Yeah. <laughs> 
but on the other side of it, you know, a lot of times people who have medical issues or a significant medical event are out of work and they're struggling financially anyway. And then what do you do? You load them up with this negative credit rating Bury that them. destroys their life even more when they're trying to get out of it. You know, I mean, sometimes bad things happen. That's unfortunate. But then to like get pile driven into the ground by some crappy fourth party lawyer who's bought your, you know, x-ray debt for a nickel and is coming after you and puts it on your credit report, which makes everything else in your life more expensive. Your car insurance is more expensive. Your house insurance is more expensive. You can't get a credit card or a loan to like try to right size your life. Not that that's always the right answer, but sometimes consolidation helps and nobody will touch you. You know, you can't sell your house and downsize to another one to try to free up cash flow because you can't get a loan because this $92 debt is hanging out there. So finally somebody got it through. That was awesome. And I was taking notes while you were talking and I'm looking over them. And and I think here's my bottom line. What I just got out of that is I never have to pay another medical bill again. Is that kind of the advice? Well, they I can still get? sue you for it. They can still sue they you. They can still sue you for it. Yeah. They just can't ruin your credit over it, basically. Yeah. So, you know. Number seven on the list is uh, student loan debt with no clear career path. I uh, met a gentleman, I'm going to say now, eight or nine years ago now, who was a film studies uh, had over $100,000 in student loan debt, film studies major with an emphasis in South American cinema. Huh. I'm not going to knock film studies. I'm not going to knock South American cinema. Those are all fine. That's a very narrow, narrow, narrow career path. There are so few people looking for that and have over $100,000 in debt. When you're going that narrow is, is a difficult place to be. Yeah, I would imagine. And then mortgage debt with underwater property. Of course, we saw that 2007, 2008. Uh, that was- uh, You can buy underwater property? That sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I asked the next, remember, this happened with cars too, OG. Remember that? I mean, uh, so many people had car loans that were, and, and still happens from time to time. Some dealer will sell somebody a car and they'll take out a loan for what you see sometimes now, eight, 10-year loans on cars. Yeah. And the car's worth less than what the loan is. So the car's long gone- and you're still paying the bill. If you can even sell it, right? Because if you have a loan on a car, who's going to buy it from you if you can't provide them the title? Or God forbid you actually roll your old debt into a new car loan. Ugh, gross. I asked it then, what debt is good? ChatGPT says, while the term debt generally has negative connotations, there are situations where taking on debt can be considered advantageous or even necessary. The key to distinguish between good and bad debt is based on the potential benefits and the purpose of the borrowed funds. Here are some examples of what's considered good debt. What do you think number one on this list is, guys? Mortgages. Mortgage was number two. Taking out a mortgage to buy a home, often considered a good form of debt. Real estate generally appreciates over time. Home ownership can build equity. You agree with that, OG? Uh, yeah. I mean, depending on the right amount, sure. Yeah, I think it's got to match your lifestyle. And you know, there's that rule of thumb that it shouldn't be over 30% of what your take-home pay is. I kind of prefer that number to be closer to 20%. I don't know where you fall on that OG, but going right up to the line that the bank will allow you is a big mistake. Yeah, I think 20 might be a little light. Personally, uh, 25 seems good, but I'm also a big proponent for short-term mortgages. You know, try to get it done in 15 years. Do the math on that. You know, we can argue whether or not you should borrow the money and invest it and all that sort of stuff, but do your cash flow planning on a 15-year mortgage with 25 27% of your gross take home and you'll have tons of breathing room. 
If you decide to do a 30-year mortgage then and invest the difference, totally fine. But you'll have the opportunity in 15 years to GTFO. Or the middle of ground, which is take out the 30-year, I like that. still pay it on the mortgage as if it's a 15. And uh, if you get disabled, you lose your job, whatever, you can back that number down. Yeah, I like that. I've always appreciated that approach. Number one on this list, though, was education loans. But in this case, it's if you have a path toward money, right? Education loans, where you're looking at your future earning potential, well-planned education can lead to increased career opportunities and higher income. I'll agree with that. What do you think, OG? Again, if it's for the right thing. Yep, sure. Yeah. Third, small business loans. What do you think about small business loans? Well, I mean, I think, you know, any sort of debt, uh, I mean, freaking Apple has debt, right? One of the biggest companies in the world. Amazon's got debt. Berkshire Hathaway has debt. I mean, I think they do anyway. So it can be used when you can use capital today to invest into an operation or to a cash flow that is productive into the future. If you need to finance the whole thing, or if you're like, hey, I'm going to go start this whatever business that's not been proven, and you're going to try to do it all in debt, that's pretty risky, I think. As of September 2023, Berkshire Hathaway had $124.78 billion worth of debt. Ah, so so just carrying more than all of our stackers put together. A few bucks. I think there has to be a debt strategy attached to that debt, right? If you're just taking on debt because you've got this nebulous expansion plan, not great. There's got to be a pay it down strategy. What? How much money is this going to bring me in? When is it going to bring in that money? I would double that length of time, maybe even triple that length of time because every business owner is way too rosy mm-hmm. in their projections about when they're going to reach that crossover point. So triple it, make sure that uh, you've got the ability to repay and you're good. Next is investment loans, borrowing money to invest in assets with potential for appreciation. I would tell people, oh, gee, this is maybe the first time I think ChatGPT for most of our stackers gets this wrong. Take out a margin loan to invest money. Well, what's interesting is that the, um, uh, I read an article, I, I, I was going to say it was from somebody like Paul Merriman, but it wasn't him, but it was somebody like that, that was basically advocating, if you're going to do it, do it and just be okay with the fact that every so often it blows up and goes to zero and you have to start over. Mathematically, it works. What's really interesting when I talk to people who are real estate investors that I can't, I, I just can't figure out the difference between these. I know where you're going. You say to a real estate, you know, I mean, you're going to go buy an investment property, right? Grant Cardone would be like, take a hundred grand and go buy a $500,000 apartment building. Mortgage the rest. Yeah. $400,000 mortgage. Okay, cool. One apartment building in one town, America, pick your town is not any riskier than the 500 biggest companies in the world. Would you agree with that statement? I would completely agree with that statement. Schwab will take your 100,000, they will let you buy 500,000 worth of stock in the S&P 500. They will let you buy maybe six or 700,000 worth of it if you qualify and you're a accredited investor. How is that any different? But no one in their right mind would be like, you know what I should do? I'm going to take my 401k, it's got 100 grand in it. I'm going to go put it in my IRA. I'm going to go get a 5x margin loan YOLO. Yes. Well, I would argue that that's a way less risky way to do it than buying a five-unit apartment building in Tennessee. 
Yes, I would Way agree with the risky. same thing. Yeah. But yet everybody who's a real estate, and I'm not trying to, I'm not knocking real estate investors because you be financially independent being a real estate investor. Absolutely. Just like you can be owning stock. How is it any different? And maybe that's just the difference between the different types of investors. Maybe yeah. that's just the kind of a, the risk tolerance difference between people. But I, I, you know, my argument, especially with somebody who is thinking about and, you know, moving down that path and they say, well, you know, I'm saving a hundred thousand dollars because I'm going to buy a rental property. I go, why the hell would you want to buy a rental property if you don't have any experience in it? Right. You're starting out from scratch. You got a hundred thousand dollars to go buy a rental property. Why not just buy a $500,000 stock position? Oh my God, that's too risky. I don't know. The 500 biggest, most capitalized companies in the entire universe with professional management teams running every single second of their daily operations versus you and your buddy, the realtor, going to pick out a triplex in any town USA and hope they make the you know the mortgage payment on time. It's probably got black mold you can't see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I like the idea of just going, screw it, I'll give it to the 500 biggest companies, let them deal with it. I would still say, number one, don't do it. But if you're going to do it, don't do it as a flyer. I mean, do it, OG, the way you're talking about. Diversify position, betting on the market. But where do we see margin? Where do we see margin? We see margin all the time with small cap individual companies. I got this company I think is going to go to the moon, so I'm going to margin it so I can get as much as possible. This is a company that could already 10x in a year or six weeks or whatever. And now we just completely make it a gamble. Yeah. I think maybe the biggest difference, Doug, to your point about the risk is that if the housing market goes down by half, you still own the house. If the stock market goes down by half, Schwab takes all your money. Yeah. Because they're going to get made whole. You know what I mean? So it's definitely an outsized risk return concept than, than I still have the house, except for the fact that maybe you could then argue, well, if it goes down by half and all your renters leave, wouldn't yeah. the bank come and take your house? That's what I was going to say. You know, you definitely yeah. can lose that house. Yeah. Or triplex. I don't know. Maybe maybe you shouldn't have uh, debt on your investments. Maybe that's the moral yeah. of the story. So we're saying margin is bad. Yeah. Th- this is the first one I would probably disagree with on this list. Uh, number five on their list of good debt, low interest car loans. We've seen if you've got money in the bank, we talked about this last week on the show. You got money in the bank, go ahead and uh, take the 0%, the 1%, the 2% and leave your money invested at a higher interest rate in a high yield savings account. Home equity loans for improvements, debt for Tax advantages. Eh, I I don't like the tax. I don't like the tax. Mo- that what's that? The, oh, gee, the tax tail to wag the investment dog. Like people, oh, it's a tax advantage. Yeah, but it's a crappy investment. Why would I? Why would I do that? Well, I mean, paying interest on your mortgage is also a tax deduction. That doesn't mean it saves you money. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's way better to just not have interest. I would love to have Bill Gates' tax bill. Let's just put it that way. Well, there's that too. Yes. I finally asked it then. Uh, okay. So how do, how chat GPT would you help us get out of debt? First thing on the list, create a budget, take a look at your income and expenses, understand where you're at, differentiate between what's essential and non-essential expenses, and then allocate a portion of your income to debt repayment. Take some of that non-essential, try to lower it, and then have that money go into paying off your debt. I would do a second piece here, OG, which doesn't show up on this list with, with when it, well, it actually does. I take this back. It's way down at number six, but this, we always look at our budget and our expenses. We don't think enough about increasing our income. Study after study shows there's so many opportunities to bring in more money. Don't get me wrong. I like the budget to lock down what you spend now and maybe even lower what you spend now, 
but then take that money and increase your income and use the increased income to help you pay off debt faster. Number two, list and prioritize your debts. Number three on this list then is negotiate interest rates. This is a surprising one for me to see negotiating your interest rates this high. Are you surprised to see it as number three? Well, I mean, I don't know, four or five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know how many we're getting through here. So uh, three could be the bottom. I don't know. Uh, sorry. There's a, uh, <laughs> might as well tell you there's 11 on here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's such a big impact. I don't, I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be high, especially nowadays with interest rates being much higher than they have been over the years. I, I, I suspect that this is, this is a big thing as long as you use it for good. And what I mean by that is if you get a reduction in your interest rate for a period of time, short period of time, it's usually a six-month deal or a 12-month deal or something like that, and you go, oh, thank God, I can just take a break and I don't have to pay as much payments. Now, the whole idea is to be stressed out and pay all the payments and make it all go to principal during that 0% time or that lower interest time. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. And I also think there's something else going on here. You know, Some of these smart people we've talked about over and over through the years, OG, these great uh, people that come on the show, they talk about how important self-talk is as well, like how important it is what's between your ears. And I think when you physically make that call and talk to somebody about the debt, you're telling yourself, this is important. I have to pay this debt off quickly. I hate it. I want to get the interest rate down. I, I don't think we can underemphasize that piece of it either. Yeah, absolutely. Number four is to build an emergency fund. This is the one people want to skip, OG. Everybody wants to skip build the emergency fund, right? Because the question they're going to ask you is, why do I sit money in a bank account earning a couple percent when this thing's killing me at 25, 26, 27%? What do you say to that? Well, you have to build the emergency fund first because if you don't and something bad happens, you're going to go back to your old habits and all the progress that you took a year to make will be unraveled in one water heater, basically. So you have to go slow. I mean... This is no different than exercise. It's no different than anything that you really have to put your mind to. You know, you know this, Joe, from training for your marathons that you do. Do you go out when you run, just run as fast as you can the entire time, every time you go? No, you run really slow for a really long time. That's how you get faster. You go slow to go fast. And you have to do the same thing when it comes to money. You have to go ultra slow and build it up the right way so that you go a little less slow in the... <laughs> In the marathon, because I know that you're not a fast Or in my case, you go slow now to go slow later. (laughs) I could tell that you were smiling, (laughs) but I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I've never run 26 miles before. Number six, cut unnecessary expenses. We touched on that one. Number six, then they've got increased income. Ask your boss for a raise, freelance, sell unused items. Number seven, use the debt snowball or avalanche method. Don't think we care which one, whichever one works for you. Yeah. I think a lot of attention paid to that one and we don't need to spend that much. Number eight then is consolidate. Again, I think people run into problems with consolidation is when they think to your point earlier, OG, that that's the end game. Oh, I consolidate my debt so I can take the, I can take the foot off the gas. Yeah, not quite. Number nine, seek professional advice. Number 10, stay disciplined, stick to your budget, avoid accumulating new debt. I think avoiding new debt is the big one. You have to go to an all cash lifestyle. Don't trust yourself with the same credit card that got you into trouble. Mm-hmm. Stop using it. Just for a while. Yeah. It's not a life sentence. Yeah. Agreed. Number 11, then celebrate your milestones. Sometimes it's a bear to get out of debt and you got to celebrate everything along. When I was pulling myself out of debt, I don't know about you, OG, but those little celebrations, those micro, I got one thing down. I got this one thing handled. Those became super important to stay motivated for the 
longer like the time it took to climb that mountain. You missed a huge opportunity with this list, Joe. And? And finally, at number one, listen to a podcast that takes the stress out of learning how to reduce your debt and plan for your financial future. Dude, it was right in front of you. Right. What are we doing? What are we doing? And nobody could refute it. It's chat GPT. What is this like episode 1460? And we still don't know. We you still don't a know. Marketing issue. Well, that's why we got chat GPT because we don't know. We just ask it. Not a bad list, OG. Overall, I think I think ChatGPT on this one did a pretty decent job. And nailed it. Looks like uh, just do that. And we don't have to do anything. It's not a they. It's Sweet. not a curated list. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, you know what? We're going to dive more into where AI might be able to help and where we think it's overrated in our newsletter, the 201 at stackybenjamins.com slash 201. But for now, we're going to pivot to a segment that uh, that we normally don't have yet because we often take a call, but looking at the time, I think it's, we will take a call again next Monday. But uh, for today, before we head out to the back porch, if you don't need a little AI in your corner, you actually (laughs) need a real live human being, a team that can help you make better decisions. And maybe they help you figure out where the best places to apply AI might be and the best places to not apply AI would be and more. OG and his team are taking clients. So to make better decisions in 2024, it's stackybenjamins.com slash OG to get to their calendar. That's the first step. Uh, stackybenjamins.com slash OG. All right. On to the back porch. And I know, Doug, you got a list of things we're talking about today. Well, I just made a list of all the stuff I watched over the holidays. So I'm prepared to talk about any and all of I think I'm, I've got Five here. I'm sure I missed several because there was a lot of streaming viewing going on. But do you want me to just dive in? What do you want to do? Well, let's. OG, do you got one featured? Do you got a feature one you wanted to dive into? And then we'll get uh, Doug's list. I got one airplane movie on the way back uh, from California last week. Let's, if you don't mind, Doug, let's start there and then let's hear yours. It's movie time, everybody. Holy. F- I will tell you, I've never seen anything like it. Holy f***ing sh- Is the craziest I think I've ever seen. Everything okay? 11 million dollars. Oh, language, the baby's here. Ooh. Yo, what up, everybody? I'm going to pick a stock and talk about why I think it's interesting, and that stock is GameStop. Retail traders have hooked into GameStop. I think they think it's a good investment. It looks like there's one guy driving all the buying. Who is this? Dumb money, man. There you go. That's the uh, trailer for Dumb Money. And I thought this was a dumb movie. (laughs) So it worked out. I think I hoped that it would be as good as The Big Short. Like some Uh, lessons? I mean, yeah, anything would have been better than... (laughs) Nudity, maybe. Anything. There were some great cameo actors in there. The Full Metal Jacket dude was there. What's his name? D'Onofrio or something like that. Vincent D'Onofrio. That's good. That one guy. Well, everybody knows the Full Metal Jacket guy. Seth Rogen was in it. Anyways, just kind of happened. The movie, I think, went through a couple of the highlights. They basically just recreated the Reddit boards and the CNBC, you know, stuff of it. And then... Ended with them going to Congress a little, or, or having their Zoom call with Congress because it was right after COVID. And then it said, oh, and then he stopped uh, posting stuff on the internet. 
and retired. And so did, it was just, there was nothing to be gained from it whatsoever. They, I think they were trying to have a little bit of outrage at the end because of, you know, well, this company went bankrupt because of this and these people lost this money and the, but the, but this billionaire still was bailed out or something like that. There's some kind of rage against the machine. I think that they were trying to, trying to put back out there, I guess, but you know, a fine, fine enough popcorn movie. If you're okay with all the swear words and, and you kind of already know what happened if you paid attention to it, but yeah, Paul Dano plays the main character, right? Who's uh, buying up all the stock. Roaring kitty. Yeah. yeah. Pete Davidson is in this America yep. Ferreira, a uh, Nick yep. Offerman, isn't it? Yes, he is. Yes. He is super funny as Ken Griffin. The, uh, I think he plays Ken Griffin. The yeah, he sure guy. does. He has a funny line in there, but, um, but they're all cameos and, and it's mostly just people checking their account balances, you know, college kids. They had like this one whole subset of stuff going on with two people who are in college, these two friends or partners. And it was like, oh yeah, I've GameStop. Yay. Go made a bunch of money. And oh my God, the app won't refresh. I should sell. There was no lesson out of it. It wasn't like they blew it up and then they couldn't go to college next week and their right. tuition was due and they right. did something bad and, you know, whatever. It was just like them buying GameStop. It was such a, this is an awful movie and you should not waste a flipping second on it. I think, you know, what's wild is that Paul Dano, I believe is in another movie. I, these, these kind of movies, these like docudramas, mm-hmm. they're always hit and miss for me. I'm always afraid to watch them. Cause I'm like, I just don't want a retelling of the crap that happened last year, whatever it is. Yeah. And when that happens, I don't like it. But one I really liked earlier in the year, I, I don't think I talked about it ever on the show, was the Blackberry movie, which I believe Paul Dano was also in. And that was a really good retelling of this phone that people in the 90s, everybody used it. And then all of a sudden, nobody Early used 2000s, it. Early 2000s. Yeah. Early 2000s. Yeah. No, everybody used it. The, the iPhone, really. Nobody used it. It was just the iPhone just completely ate its lunch. And the story of the downfall and the hubris, the there are tons of lessons and really fun to watch. I think Seth Rogen was even in that movie along with Dano and a few other great people. But if you want to see a good one by some of the same actors, go see the Blackberry movie. Okay. Yeah. Skip this one. But hey, it made two hours go by, OG. It did. Yep. I just <laughs> sat there and ate my uh, short ribs and mac and cheese. On the airplane. Obviously. Which shows where he, see, see that, that casual flex, Doug? Scoreboard. Doug, what movies did you dive into? Why do I feel like this is going to be one of those Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon moments where it's like, oh, we ran out of time. We'll get Matt Damon out here. Because we just spent like 29 minutes listening to OG tell us what not to watch. We can't help it that OG's a little cooler. (laughs) All right. And while he was talking, I remembered a couple of other things. So I'm going to go really fast and teach you how to be succinct. Don't you dare give me the wrap it up. <laughs> Complete tat you are. I talk as long as I feel like it. All right. Uh, well, first things, I'll get this over with quickly because uh, we've already talked about this on the show. We rewatched Nobody Love uh, it. with Bob Odenkirk. So Unbelievable. Fun. So fun and short, too. Like, it's a quick ride, an hour and a half short nowadays. And uh, so fun. Somebody told me, Doug, that that when Offerman wrote that, because he wrote it too, yeah. he wrote it to be the first in a series. I told you that because I read it on like the IMDb trivia thing or something like no, that. No, somebody else must have told me that. Yeah, it must There's have been no somebody else because you don't listen to me. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's a little bit like, to me, a more fun John Wick. John Wick's just so far over the top. And you're like, come on. And this is like four hours long. Come on, Kino. One of the popular Kino. websites at the end of the year, Kino. Kino. 
Kino. Kino. It's it's where the Reeves guy goes to Vegas and sits in the buffet. <laughs> He's Kino Reeves. Kino Reeves. But they had John Wick 4 on their top of movies of the year. I don't know okay. if any of you guys saw John Wick 4, but I did can, not can see Can we move it. on? I got to get through my list. Well, I'm just, gonna... I'm just saying John Wick 4 might be better than you're giving it. Probably sucks. So that was just, we were going to knock that one off quickly. Nobody. Um, it was a fun ride. Reacher. I'm all caught up on Reacher. Like it. Don't like it as much as season one so far. Uh, Feeling like a lot like um, what's the new John Krasinski, Jack Ryan. Yes. Season one, I really like. Season two, I didn't like as much. Season three was better. So Reacher may go. I still like it. I'm still going to say watch it if you like that sort of thing. It's good. I just don't like it as much as season one. They have three seasons or four seasons of of Jack Ryan. Oh, Jack Ryan's three, I think. It was Middle East. Middle East, Europe, and South America. Europe was the last one. It ended up in Europe. Yeah, but they had like uh, Venezuela was the one before that. Oh, so I had them out of order. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it. Anyway, yeah, three. Okay, I thought there were four, but anyway. I can't think of a fourth one. Uh, so Reacher's good, you know, solid seven out of 10, maybe. I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to watch Piercy Jackson first. I would agree with that. I'm going to watch Piercy Jackson. I love the Piercy Jackson books. We read them with our kids. So we're going we're gonna to start with Disney Plus, and then I'm going to go watch Reacher after that. You know what you should also do uh, after you watch that is the Percy Jackson series. Oh. You might really like the Percy Jackson. I like Percy like Jackson. Piercy, if you like Percy Jackson, his cousin Pierce- Percy has some pretty good movies too. Percy Jackson sits next to Kino Reeves <laughs> on the bus. <laughs> and and Timothy Chamelier. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so that's that. Um, we watched Killers of the Flower Moon. And here's what I realized. I don't like Martin Scorsese films that much. I think Martin Scorsese gets unbelievable performances out of his actors because the acting in that movie was astounding. Incredible. Amazing. But holy cow, did he just take 30% longer than he needed to to tell that story? It was a long movie. And it was just so plodding, like P-L-O-D-D-I-N-G. Like it was just super slow. Slower even than OG's review of uh, the the bad movie. Oh, God. I enjoyed, as you know, uh, the Flower Moon a ton. But part of that, Doug, was just watching those performances. For It didn't feel like three and a half hours. Yeah, um, it, it, well, that's a difference. You watch it at home. I have this discussion, people. If you're going to watch it on the little tiny screen, it's going to feel, every movie's going to feel longer on that screen. I'm going to pause it, go to the bathroom, I'm going to pause it. And Look, don't yell at me, man, for not movie. wanting to go to the COVID Petri dish of a movie theater. <laughs> I'm just telling you that that it's going to make it worse. It will make it worse. But okay. anyway, continue. I can see yeah, your point. Um, Oppenheimer. Finally got to see that. Good, not like great. like that a lot. Well, I liked it more than Killers of the Flower Moon. I would give it an eight. I remember I texted you guys. I can't remember what number I gave it in our text chain, but I would give it at least an eight. What I loved was the different angle that I didn't, like nobody told me about, was the whole cabinet confirmation hearing angle Mm. and the persecution of Robert Oppenheimer by uh, Strauss. I I just thought it was going to be about building the bomb and and that. I didn't realize it was that whole other life story. So I I appreciated that. Robert Downey Jr. is super good in that. He really is. He's amazing. Here's my one big flaw of that movie, and I'm not going to give it away because there's a lot of people who haven't seen it yet, but there is an incredibly key plot point that just shows up at the end and they don't build that character enough so that Mm -hmm. his testimony has the weight to totally change the outcome. Yeah. It just, he just shows up. Like you see him in one, he's a big name actor. He's a great actor. You see a glimpse of him 
in a scene about half an hour from the end, 40 minutes from the end. And the next thing you know, he's in those confirmation hearings and he's changed the whole life of Robert Oppenheimer and of Strauss. And it just, it didn't work from a plot point standpoint. I think they had to spend more time on his character to show why it had the weight, why his testimony had the weight that it really did. Much like you didn't like uh, the flower moon. I had two people in my friend's feet say that they just hated Oppenheimer. One person said it was a waste of time. Wow. I completely disagree with all that. Of course. I thought it was very good. Yeah. But- yeah. Really good. Moving down the list here. Maestro. With- I want to see this. Yeah. Leonard Bernstein. Say that again. Leonard Bernstein. Yes. I thought you said Bernstein or Anna. Like who the hell is Anna Bernstein? Yeah. Like now we're making up new first names. <laughs> Isn't that your ear, nose, and throat doctor? Anyway, uh, yeah, the acting in this is amazing. I really don't like musicals, and there are a couple of moments in this movie where it's trying to like slide into a musical because they actually have like musical numbers that are sort of part of the the plot advancement. But God, the acting. Bradley Cooper's great. He's going to get, I'm sure he's going to get nominated Golden Globes and, and Oscar. He's really good. I think Carrie Mulligan completely stole the show. She is incredible in this movie. And her character is far more developed, in my opinion, than the Anna Bernstein or Leonard Bernstein uh, character. Um, so super, super good. Would recommend it just for the acting performances. There was a lot about him that I didn't realize. Uh didn't know about him. So I like that. I just can't, I just can't believe how they make him look like Bernstein. They, oh, here's the other thing. They age him so well. I know where you're going with the whole controversy over the nose, right? Is that what you're trying to do? No, no. I literally think he looks just like him. He does I don't look know a lot any, like him. I don't know any controversy about the Oh, it's the a nose. huge controversy because he's not Jewish. Oh. And so oh. a huge, uh, a big contingent of, advocates for not having enough Jewish people playing Jewish roles in movies. They're all pissed. Like, you know how many Jewish actors there are? You couldn't find one to play Leonard Bernstein. Boy. And, uh, and so they put a prosthetic nose on them and it's like, Oh, you're co-opting our heritage. Uh, yeah. Like the guy's a great actor. He's been trying to create this movie. It's like his passion project, Bradley Cooper's for like seven years. So he gets to do that. And he was amazing in it. I love it when people sit at home on Twitter and bitch about stuff like movies. You know, like who's got time for that? Yeah. Good thing we don't. So here's the two series that I really dove into. Uh, Fargo, the TV series Fargo. Yep. You told us that's awesome. I totally missed the boat on that. Yeah. Super good. I'm only uh, halfway through season two, but love it. And Bosch just got into Bosch and that's what I've been binging nonstop. There's people yelling at their device right now saying, welcome to 1997, Doug. I know it. 2014 to 2021 was when Bosch was made and I kept hearing critical acclaim for it and I just, you know, didn't get around to it. And we ran out of stuff to watch and thought, what the heck? I heard this was good. It is modern day film noir. It's like modern day Sam Spade stuff. It, it's got very much that LA detective film noir vibe to it. Great jazz soundtrack. Cause he's a jazz lover. His character is. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. I I've seen so many reviews of this saying the best series nobody watches or nobody watched while it was out. Yeah. It was good enough to get renewed obviously. And I've heard so many fans over the year, but I'm like you, I never watched it. Oh gee, this seems like something you'd like. I feel like I've watched maybe one or two episodes, but I haven't, um, I don't think that I got into the whole series. Here's why I think OG's going to like it. He's a man of fewer words, very direct, and just like gets the job done. 
That just seems like OG. Nothing like OG is your it's point. Who OG aspires to be? That's really. what he says. <laughs> the bar Probably. is high. Yes. Hey, don't get mad at OG because he's a little cooler. Thanks to everybody for hanging out today and uh, hope we gave you some good movies and uh, TV shows. More on that another day. But for now, I think it's time to get out the pencil and paper because your favorite part of the show is setting up your to-do list. It's not about listening to the show, Stackers. It's what are you going to do about yeah. it? Let's give you your top three. Well, Joe, first, take a note from private equity firms and buy Ken Fisher's firm in a completely different way, which is probably the same way everyone else does it. But hey, marketing's marketing, especially when the head of your company says creepy shit about women that you got to cover up. But if your firm is sold, whether it's Fisher or any other firm, we don't know of a case where it isn't business as usual for you. Get to know the new firm early. Make sure you align with their values. And as mom says, keep on trucking towards your goals. Mom says that? Anyway, second. What's the second to do? Debt. Begin with your income and expenses. Can you widen that gap? When you do, automate bigger payments toward that debt through your bank so you don't accidentally spend it. But what's the biggest to do? Well, here's mine. If I'm going to run this town clean up like Rockefeller, I got to find a way to give school credit to neighborhood kids in exchange for them doing all my chores. They'll think it's way more enticing if I can call it an internship and they can put it on their college app. We're going to do a credit for chat GPT. Yes. Okay, fine. We'll do a credit for chat GPT. Thanks to chat GPT for, <laughs> well, like not much, pretty much nothing really, but we'll do a credit. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2024, and is created by Joe Saul Cihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? Of course, you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of the show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude, Stacy Doe, and Julia Garib are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. For more interactive fun, join us in Instagram every Tuesday and Thursday for our Instagram Lives. Kate Yonkin and Joe host these weekly. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show.
Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate take a look at all the military appreciation month offers and their usual offers navy federal our members are the mission navy federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender